Hi, Hillary. Hi, how are you? Nice to see you. And nice to see you too. I I absolutely um, credit myself for being in this business 56 years and being able to look at talent holistically because of the years I've seen different different types of talent come through this business and you just pop out loud and clear and Thank it is so, so it's so exciting and beautiful and nice and I really celebrate your individuality and I I just had to meet you and um learn more about you and um and just tell you I I feel like the the proud grandma of fashion and seeing somebody with such a great spirit um it's such a it's such a pleasure thank you thank you so much that means a lot obviously I grew up knowing everything about you as well so it's like full circle moment for us both <laughs> so um there are so many things um i i want to talk about but i just some of my observations um uh, besides your authenticity and your individuality and how brave you are and adventurous, I mean, to me, if you can't be that, the, what's the purpose, right? Um, but I, I just wanted to get a little bit of background on where all of this creative, exciting, adventurous energy came from and like what were your childhood experiences or what? where was the um, curiosity that brought you to where you are now? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I didn't have, I had like a very, um, I guess you would say privileged childhood in a way, but also a very dark childhood. Um, I grew up riding horses, which definitely led me to this like nature, veganism, like all respect for all animals part of my life. But I grew up like in a very strict home. My father was um, a first generation immigrant from Egypt. And so like we were only supposed to be doctors or lawyers. Um, and there was no like in between business school, medical school, law school. These were our options. And I really just did not fit that mold. So I was very, very rebellious. And I like was always trying to be something different. And I always liked the most different things. And they always called me the weirdo. And I was not, um, those things were not nurtured in my upbringing at all. In fact, they were very much like slammed against. And I think that in the weird, like just, you know, like, how it all happened was basically as an adult and I got to really find myself who I was. You see that like full inner child with Kalina Strada really shine through. Right. And I guess that's just me finally getting to like express my inner child and heal in a way. You know, um, I, I come from a Lebanese background. So um, we, I think, are very fortunate in many ways to have that as part of our DNA. Um, I'm very happy about it. But there is a lot of um, first-generation energy that we both experience that 
obviously, as I get older, I realize it was for our protection and all of that. But being rebellious is an important part of it. I was very rebellious, too. I got married at 19 just to get out of the house to be me, right? Um, And of course, that was the way you got out of the house at the time. And you are um, expressing this child come to life with, um, you know, no boundaries. I mean, it's only creative uh, and more creative and then even more creative. So, you know, in the end, we have to thank whatever that was that um, made us rebellious and made us want to be who we were and different from what we were shown. Um, and I love the, the you know, that creative child. One of the things that, you know, your book is so unbelievably beautiful. I mean, the, the graphics, everything, the layouts, the whole thing. I mean, that's so powerful. I'm just, I can't wait to see where that's going to take you next because that boy opens a door that is unbelievable. And um, and I think I, what I would love to know is like when you were doing the book, tell me about the process and how that all came together. I know you had every finger, every drop of blood, every morsel of you in that book. There was no question. Yeah. So, I mean, I worked on it with Charlie Engman, who's the art director of my brand, and he's an amazing photographer. And um, basically, we're extremely extra (laughs) in this way. That's like, we basically had 268 pages and we're like, how are we going to fit everything? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. so we collaged everything. And I guess my skill is really um, narrowing down what my favorite images are and why. And his skill is bringing all of them come to life in this very extreme amazing layout mm-hmm. and he's such an artist on his own and we had con- years like decade a de- over a decade of content and we just figured out how to narrow it down into this like 268 pages feels like a lot but when it's 10 years of work, oh, no. <laughs> it's nothing yeah um so you know we had like two huge terabyte i don't even know how many terabytes of drives of imagery and all this you know, content. And it just felt like a really Im- important thing to do for the brand in this way that I felt really lucky to be a part of. And then just showed me how much bigger the brand is than myself and how much further it goes. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. You know, I feel like it's as women, we understand that as brand mm-hmm. owners, but it's very different for other people, I think. And like, I think it's very cathartic in a way to understand because sometimes I get overwhelmed like all of this is happening because of me but it's not it has nothing to do with me mm-hmm. it's it has small parts to do with me but you know what I mean like it's everyone on my team it's everyone mm-hmm. who around me it's the models it's the photographers it's the yeah. energy on set it's everything so you know everything's just bigger than one person and I think yeah. that really shown through in the book well he's incredibly talented I yeah. mean you're I mean there is just it's beautiful and and you can see the energy in there. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I First of all, the people around us um, that we 
share our love of what we do with and it becomes contagious and then everybody participates in such a great way. But I also think the universe is such a big participant in what's supposed to happen. And it's like, how how connected to that are we to go in the direction that it's pushing us in? Are we aware of it? Are we being uh, um, uh, are we sensing what that is? And and like you said, that book, I could see, um, just says, "Wow, they are on an unbelievable track." And where you go next with that, I think, is going to be so exciting to see. That really is a very special marker. Um, and it, it's if it's celebrating 10 years, whatever it's doing, yeah. it, it forced a, a creative explosion. It forced the two of you to really put that energy into something very comprehensive and, and quite beautiful. I thought that that I thought that that book was something that was very personal. Yeah, it was. And I guess the next and then this last show really felt like I had right. this them to rebirth in a way and right. like become something. It felt like I was able to continue, but like almost close the chapter and then explore the next right. steps. Yeah. Which felt really healing as well. Yeah. That, uh, definitely. And I, I'm, and another reason I was attracted to you is as obsessed as you are with AI, so am I. I am like, I'm like taken. I am, I am so absorbed. And we, we are looking at it in two different ways. So um, I'll tell you a little bit about my way and then I can't wait to hear about yours. Um, so I would say probably six years ago, and I've been very involved in VR and 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 when I was um, 19, actually 17, I was working on a Univac computer at an airline. Don't even ask, but it opened my mind to, oh my God, what is happening? And I've been obsessed with technology ever since. But when, um, like I said, about five or six years ago, these people who were very uh, entrenched in AI um, asked me if they could download my brain. And I was like, hello, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> and they said, well, we want to create a collection based on the way you think and the way you approach design. And we wanna have a company that we can use, that we can do that with. And by downloading your brain and how you think, we think we can do that. And would you consider doing that with us? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I came home, I, this was, I was in a different country and I was like, no. I don't think that's not that's not working for me. But then I started to think, well, why don't I download my own brain? Why don't I do it for me? And I have 56 years of designs in my archive, you know, 56 years of designs. I've, I'm the only designer that the company has ever had. Um, 
And like you, we have a team and everything, but the germ of the idea is there. And I thought, you know, I'm 78. I'm not planning on retiring. I love my work. I'm so thrilled to have a creative life. But maybe I should create, the, take my archive and put it into an AI model and train it and work with it so that when the time comes that other people can then use what my downloaded brain, right? My thought process, the, the actual archive, then they can continue. So the brand can continue. And in the process of doing that, through the years, my interest grew and grew in AI. And um, and so I took a course in June um, at MIT, believe it or not, on generative AI. It was so over my head, Hillary. I can't even tell you, but I, I did it anyway. I felt like such an idiot, but I was... I, it was all engineers and me, right? And uh, but I I studied so hard, and I I worked so hard to understand and to get it, and I got so much out of it, and it only made me more obsessed. So that's my AI. Now tell me all about your AI adventure. Well First of all, we have to have a real dinner where we just geek out on right. it. Yeah, and we're like, this is what I do. What do you do? Right. Um, so my process is with mid-journey and I honestly, I feel like I've unlocked, like it goes, I feel like I'm giving, you know how I, how I explain AI is like, you know how when you speak to like a kindergartner or someone who like hasn't, their brain hasn't been molded by society right. yet. And you're like, can you draw me like a dolphin? What would a dolphin's friend look like? And what would they wear to school? Right. Like their creative flow is so unique and different because no one's told them what that should look like right. yet. That's how I feel like working with AI is. That's exactly and, what I say too. I say the same thing. Exactly. It's so it true. it shows me shapes and lines that I would have right. never thought of on my own because my brain has been molded by society to think a star looks like a star and right. a heart looks like a right. heart. And, you know, and then right. AI just like turns it upside down, flips it inside out and you still see it, but it's totally unique and it's yeah. different. That's what I love about it. And that's kind of my process is I love making new shapes with it. I love, you know, in, inputting like Kalina Strata designs and flipping them upside down and, you know, reimagining things with it because it really helps me train my brain to to go back into that, you know, mm -hmm. before I've been molded. Yeah, it's so it's so great. I, I always say that when I think of AI, I think of this baby who's not fully developed, has has the intelligence of something I can't understand because it's so big and, and, an and is soul. getting bright. And, but has the innocence and simplicity of someone who hasn't experienced life yet. And so we totally are on the same page with that. And it's so refreshing and exciting because- it just keeps getting better and getting better and getting better, right? Yeah, I'm almost nervous to when it gets too good. But yeah, but I think it'll bring it. I think it'll bring something else to the table, yeah, you know. Sure. And, and I think what we love about it is that it's it's not 
designing for us. It's not, it's, it's a creative means. So we can use a pencil, we could use paint, we could use whatever fabric draping. So it's not another tool to sort of opening a creative process. The excitement. Yeah. yeah, It's exciting. It's really a game changer. Right. And I feel like it's also taken a ton of stress. I mean, as a fashion designer, our job to design the actual clothes is very minimal and you don't, and like, sometimes you're not in the right headspace to just start pen to paper a dress or this. You're like, I need a best commercial dress for this season. And you're like, right. right. On eight calls today. And I have so much other stuff to do. And AI really takes that stress out of my brain in a way where I can be like, these are our best selling dresses right now. Let's flip them around and see what happens. And then eventually you come to a great option, but like, it really helps break that ice. It's like a writer's block ice that it helps me break for designing. Yeah, I I agree. And you know, the interesting thing, Hillary, it's it's really um, interesting the way writers look at this. So recently the writer's strike has really been devastating and, and it's, it's, it's been such a concern for so many writers and their fear of AI. And I've, I've talked to a few of my friends who are really talented writers. And I, I tried to explain what you just said, that it's sort of, it's a different way to write. You can, first of all, you'll be able to write so many more things and you'll have all of this input that's just gonna, like your brain is just gonna want more and more and you'll keep asking and playing with it and interacting and it's going to open a new way that you write a new technique instead of take it away. You can't take away creativity, right? You have to put in creative input. And so I think your description of how you look at the practicality of fashion, because we want to sell clothes because we want to stay in business and we want to have a creative life, but we're also realistic. How do we, how do we balance both? Well, you gave a practical answer to a creative opportunity. And I think that that's what most people who are afraid of, who are creative, really need to feel comfortable with. I think that that, um, and that only happens by using it a lot, right? I'm sure you, you're you addicted, right? I mean, it's like, yeah, once I you start. At least <laughs> once a week. Um, I used to use it like every day and now I like, like okay I only have time once a week to do it but um yeah it definitely now I have a whole archive of designs that I love for all different types of projects and you know oh, great. accessories to shoes to dresses to wedding dresses to pants like I've got them all organized. so yeah so so perfect for my next question or actually the topic I want to talk about is I see you there's there are things about you that reminded me very much of me when I began because I was just like off doing so many different things and everybody's like you know what why don't you just stay with design what what are you doing that for why don't you just stay with design it's like excuse me um, I'm a designer, but I don't have to just use fabric. I don't have to like 
everything feeds back to one another. And so tell me that we know the book is now another me, another area that you did extremely well with. Um, tell me what, where you find excitement with your creativity. What, what are the different things you've been doing? Well, I love doing collabs. I don't know. Like you can see it. My take on doing a collab is being like, okay, we're working with one big corporation. I don't believe that what Kalina Estrada's input or output into the world can change the world in any way. It's only by like making it a trend or making it cool or showing other people how to do these things. So I love going into corporations and pushing for the best options of things that we can make. And they all have the technology. They're all just scared to use it. And so I'm like, blame it all on me. If all these shoes get sent back because it's not up to code or whatever, it's my fault. I'll take it. Um, but please let's start using these innovations that you have. And I find that super interesting. And I love making, I actually thrive on making categories that I don't sell with Clean Estrada. That feels like right. a hobby to me. And I feel right. so inspired by it because it's not something that I'm currently making sure there's best sellers and there's this and there's that. And so I love making shoes right now until I probably put shoes in mainline. <laughs> I, I I think shoes are like sculptures. They're so, I mean, it's like a 360 degree experience, right? You yeah. can't, there isn't a front side back separation. It's all the way around. And the shoe really comes to life, especially when it's being worn. I find shoes a lot of fun and, and I've done shoes through the years and, and I've always found it as, like you said, almost like a hobby, like it's a thing that we just, okay, I'm going to have fun now. Um, and, and, and as far as, um, what about interiors and furniture? And I could see your mind would just go super crazy in there. It's funny because in 2015, I used to do like a furniture experiment or interior design work. And I like, you know, renovated some apartments with some people and I had a mirror collection. And yeah. it's funny because now that that stuff is a little bit, you know, it's like eight years out. It's like a little aging. I've been starting to get that little like inkling I'm... of what to do next. Um, so, yeah, you might see that. It's also like our in the studio, our running joke that our retirement plan is to like make rugs. <laughs> um, like, we'll just make rugs. It'll be like you know, they, they one-offs, they sell. (laughs) No, I, I, I think, um, I can definitely, definitely see an environment that you could just, and I think it's a, um, I think we've learned, especially after COVID, how, important the home is just for well-being and for a sense of safety and comfort and that the what that energy is is really so important and I think your energy and um and the creativity that you could bring to that is really going to be interesting and exciting and and to me too that's another area that I absolutely love. So something tells me that you're probably a pretty good business person. 
I like to think so, but I also am probably like, it's probably a flip the switch, a coin, you know, sometimes I get like too creative in my own ways and I'm like, I don't want to do this. But then other times I'm like, this is a contract. It has to be like this or else I'm not doing it. I'm very straightforward. I think I'm very straightforward as a person, which comes across as a little bit like masculine in a way when it comes to contracts. And that's kind of how I approach my contracts. Don't you worry about that my friend. Yeah. Don't you worry about that. Um, I, I had, I, I know that when I started, I didn't think that, first of all, you know, my generation didn't think women um, could have their own business or that women would know about business and how to run it. And then um, I started with my ex-husband and then when we split, I was like, I don't have any money and I, I don't know how to run a business. I, I, I thought men did this and I literally was in that brainwashed mindset. And then I said, forget it. I, I want, I want a creative life. I got to figure this out. And then I realized I'm actually good at this. And being the designer and the business person is such an advantage that most designers don't ever experience. So we are lucky, truly lucky that we find a comfort zone. It's not 100% comfortable all the time. Nothing is. But having a sense of that, and, and as far out as you want to go with design, there's also, okay, now I have a business. I have to, if I can't, if I want to be so creative here, I don't want the business to impact it. I'll find another way to create the business, right? So tell me how you've, you've been doing that. Yeah, well, I guess my, my um, run my shows are quite extravagant in a way. And that's really my creative output. And I thrive like I, I have done just lookbooks before for a collection. I just feel like you don't get the same. I don't get the same like feeling afterwards. And I think that's what always drive. I always do a show. And because I'm really hard on myself, I'm like, oh, I love that. But look 12 and look 27. Oh, <laughs> but like that's, I'm like, but I'm going to do better next time. So like there's always a right. next time how I can like yeah. one up myself, but I'm li- literally only competing with myself. Um, so I feel like there's that I really focus my energy on and my skills in a way. And then I've recently come to understand that my accessories do really really well (laughs) so our like bulk of our DTC is accessories and pants wow yeah it's really strange I mean it's not strange because my accessories are really cute but so we do a lot there and so I just pump out this what they want and I give that to them then and then you know occasionally we have a few hit gowns or hit hit dresses and things like that and I can really put my creative force into the show. And that's kind of where I I keep the business size here here with the pants and accessories as well as, as the design contracts and the collab opportunities um, that help, you know, keep the payroll yeah. going. And yeah, I just really focus all my creative talent and like energy into the shows and what new things I want to develop next. This season with our AI collection, we developed 27 new dress patterns. I love it. I love it. That's so great. A lot of work. And because it was AI, like each pattern took probably like four weeks. 
So yeah, yeah. So um, tell me about your um, training in, in I'm I'm not sort of savvy on it. Did you have art training, fashion training? What tell me about that? Well, I started going to college. I I went to like one of those Paris Hilton boarding schools as a teenager. So oh I came out of, and I actually closed one down, I think. Oh good. <laughs> that's, that's so nice. So that started there when I was 16. <laughs> I like one person it was a really big hard day and I was like we're not doing this anymore let's go sleep in the boys cabin for three weeks and then oh nice picked us up and I went to another boarding school I thought I was going mm-hmm. home but so then I came back and I I graduated from college I mean high school quite early so I just like went to Loyola Marymount I don't even know how I went I just went and I dropped out of school an English professor I really did not get along with because he was very Catholic and I was like this is not for me I'm just going to drop out. So I didn't, I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, but I worked in like a small boutique selling premium denim, you know, <laughs> in Redondo Beach. Um, so then I went to Fitum because I had a few friends who were going there mm-hmm. and I learned absolutely nothing. Uh-huh. I learned how to use AI, um, Adobe Illustrator, not AI, Adobe Illustrator, how to sketch a, a t-shirt I think all I learned was a t-shirt in those programs uh-huh. and I learned a little bit about but their marketing classes were like so you have to go through the phone book and call everyone and ask them if they like that like crazy marketing classes what they taught us uh-huh. was what so I just kind of learned by doing I worked at guest jeans at the time and I started making handbags for myself I learned everything I knew working in the guest jeans corporate office I hate to say it but I wow. just learned by being in this environment mm-hmm. and I made a handbag for myself and I would couldn't go to the grocery store without ask someone asking me about it so I literally made a collection based off that and found someone to help me and just went for it and after my first season I had a collaboration with Target I didn't even know how I hadn't delivered a collection yet to a store and I had right had bags sitting on the shelf in Target which made no sense to me but mm-hmm. I took the check happily because I was mm-hmm. 21 and I didn't know what to do and then every since season since then I always had like an order like that like a big feel mm-hmm. so I was super fortunate and I just learned every mistake you could possibly make I did it important so yeah. important I remember um six months after I started making clothes. Um, I had uh, a full page in Vogue. And at the time, this is the 60s, right? So full page in Vogue was like a major thing. And then a page in Bazaar. And I thought, oh, my God, they're going to find me out. I never studied fashion design. I didn't know how to make a pattern. I didn't like I didn't know really what I was doing, but I was passionate about what I was doing. And it was different from what was what was happening. And when I saw the pictures, I was very encouraged, like you must have been too. like people actually like this. And then you wonder. um, are they going to find me out that I don't, I've never done this and I don't know what I'm doing, but you know, all right, I'll keep doing it. And, um, 
And those, it, those, those are like the big encouragement when people have faith in you for no good reason, except they see a talent. It, you, yeah. it's like, oh my God, this is, I think, I think I'm going to really enjoy this. I think I can, I can get behind this. And clearly uh, for you, accessories are really sort of so, so much your DNA that you just do it. And it's sort yeah. of, comes out and becomes uh, something that's an extension of what you were thinking about. Yeah. And what's interesting with my background is my both of my grandmothers from both sides. My mom is, was great, raised in Pennsylvania, my dad in Egypt. And I didn't learn this until many, probably like three years ago, that my grandmother in Egypt could take a page out of Vogue. She probably took one of the pages out of your Vogue. <laughs> like not in the 60s. Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. She was anyways, and she could make anything out of the page, but she never was taught anything. Yeah. She could just like take yeah. take a picture and she could make it. So I feel like that really runs my blood where I'm just like could look at something and I can make it. And my other yeah. grandmother was like an amazing crochet knitter and so crafty and could make anything, you know, she would like make a little bird and yeah, very crafty. And so I was kind of raised by her. I never met my Egyptian grandmother because she passed before I was born. But all of these things happened in a way where I was like, kind of, I think it's in my DNA that I can just mm -hmm. look at something and inherently know how to make it. I had the same experience. My uh, grandmother, my Lebanese grandmother, um, the Lebanese would uh, get on a ship and they would travel the world with their whole families, mm -hmm. sell whatever they were making. And she made uh, embroidered fabrics that were very Middle Eastern. And she did things with fabrics, made things with fabrics. And it it was a while, like you said, that before I found out that that's what she did and that she even had a factory that made hand um, crocheted and hand embroidered baby clothes. And I thought, well, there you go. I mean, it isn't, it isn't totally an accident. I have a question for you. Um, so do you ever dream? What are your dreams about? Okay. I have so many. I'm a very vivid dreamer. I do have a lot of nightmares around fashion week where I have no clothes <laughs> backstage <laughs> and I have to like ask my models and all my models are there that I always use like the Kalina models right. like, oh do you think you'll open the show in like duct tape <laughs> um, that's like a recurring nightmare that I have doing <laughs> I don't know if you've had those dreams but they're fun um, and, and, and then and I have a lot of dreams about like um just my like teenage years and you know like being I don't know, in nature and riding horses. I grew up riding horses competitively. So I have a lot of like show jumping horse dreams as well. So one of the things that um, somebody asked me um, if I dream, and actually I'm, go I'm going through this cognitive testing right now. It's a longevity thing. And it's to analyze where my brain is now at 78 and what, you know, what my cognitive abilities are and part of what they ask. And, and I've been asked this at different times in my life of what do you dream about or do you dream? And one of the things that 
for me is I will wake up remembering in my dream, seeing dresses that I'd never seen before or clothes that I'd never seen before. And I'm so inspired that I just do them. And I think like there's this, I don't know, these somebody is passing down this stuff for me to do. And they say to me, creative people have those dreams that they feel like these uh, these ideas are coming from somewhere else to you. Do you, yeah. have you had that experience? I've had this experience a few times where when I don't have clothes backstage in my show, I'll see other people's racks of clothes. Oh and my- like, wow, that's really good. <laughs> I wish I had that. And it's <laughs> never mine. And maybe it's like, cause it's someone passing me the, the yeah. ideas and then I'll wake up and I'll sketch what was on the other right. person's rack backstage. Isn't and- that funny? And, yeah. and I've always felt just like you that is this mine or am I, I've never seen it before. Is it really mine or is it somebody else's? I don't feel, I'm not sure, but then I'm assured that it is yours. It's just the way it's coming to you. But it's funny that you see it as somebody else's rack. That's (laughs) literally like a group show or something. (laughs) But, but this is, um, very common, they say, for creative people, not just designers, but artists and songwriters and and, and all all creative uh, people have this kind of thing. So whatever I'm thinking, okay, keep them coming. Keep I'm I'm here to serve and to do what I'm supposed to be doing with them. And I love it. I'm so excited every time that happens. I I just, it's it's sort of so inspiring that you're just here. It is you can you can take it even further. The um the idea of um the kind of life that you will have right as a creative person um, for me. Um, I remember as a young girl, everybody, um, saying, oh, when you get married and have kids and I'm like, "Mm, no, not, not happening here. Mm -mm, No, this is my age group. Immediately you learn not to say that anymore and just not say anything, um, because the response was tragic, but Um, I knew that I wanted a creative life and I didn't know how you did that if you had the responsibilities of a family. What are your thoughts about that? I find, well, I was almost married once and we had baby names and all that set up and that didn't work out. And since then I've been really like, because I've been a serial monogamist my whole life in this way where I've been you know, in these like very long-term relationships. And right now is like the first time I've actually been single for a minute, like about a year. And uh, it feels so amazing to not, and I feel like I'm fully thriving in the way where I'm not responsible for anyone's feelings except for my dogs. And I just feel really whole for the first time in my Mm -hmm. whole adult life. And I, everyone's like, so the first thing anyone asked me whenever I walked her room, who are you dating? Who are you dating? I'm like, no one. <laughs> you're and dating I, you. You're, yeah. You're, yeah. 
And it feels so good to take care of me for the first time. You know, I like organize my house just the way I want it. Right. Everything feels good. I'm like, you know, I'm working at my studio. Everything's good. I don't have to wait, see what we're having for dinner. All of these things, because immediately as an empathetic person, no matter if I'm the woman in the relationship or not, like, I'm still going to care about what they're having for dinner. Mm-hmm whoever it is and so I don't have to take on that stress anymore right now which feels really really great and it has been as a creative I feel like you no matter what whoever you spend your most time with they will influence you you know it's like also people always try to like dim my light and they'll be like why are you wearing so much color today like you really Mm -hmm. have to wear all hot pink today and it's like yeah I'm going to meet pink like yeah you know that it it's it's this is such an important time for you um it it really the years that i finally was strong enough to be on my own and not lonely but alone in alone really? as a good word and not yeah. thinking of it as lonely and really learning who i was and how i wanted to live and not worried about, are they going to be okay with this and compromising and compromise is great in relationships and, and all of that is good. But first really understanding what areas are not up for compromise and what areas are. And as a designer, for you not to wear pink when you want to wear pink is such an intrusion on who you are in every way. And that information has to be very clear as, as you move forward and decide it's time for you to accept somebody's uh, interest in you and, and, under, and making sure that the the person you're with is somebody you deserve and that um and that is a very uh that's a very big big demand that you have to make for yourself um i was when in 1970 somebody gave me um, a gift of having an astrologer do my chart and I'd never had my chart done. And so she did my chart. She was amazing at knowing details about my childhood and everything. So she really, well, had made a big impression on me. And, um, and then she said, uh, at the time I was still married, but it was sort of not going to, be ending well (laughs) and it was at that point and she said you know um your uh career is going to go way into you you know your to to your life straight through to the very end and you're going to meet your soulmate in your 60s and I was like excuse me (laughs) um no 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 this is it no you're wrong and she said well I'm not usually wrong and I thought oh my god I've got to prove this woman wrong so (laughs) I had a series of long relationships 
that could have been called marriages. Um, I never really wanted to get married again. I didn't like, I don't know, why do I need to be married? I like my independence. I like my feeling that I can have one foot out the door if I want to. And then, um, and of course, wouldn't you know, I meet my soulmate at <laughs> when I was 65 and we're actually getting married in a month. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. But the point I'm making is that all of those relationships were really very important for me and my yeah. personal development. And while I didn't feel it was important to get married because I I didn't feel uh, the the need to have children or that I could do the best job uh, mm -hmm. for a child. I learned so much from my interaction and then to finally meet a soulmate, which I didn't think was going to be my destiny. Then you all of a sudden see this person. I deserve this person and this person deserves me. And it's that phrase that is the defining phrase, right? And that you keep that in the front of your brain because your work and what you will be capable of doing in this lifetime has to be respected and it has to start with you first, right? So yeah. I'm giving you some advice, whether you want yeah. it or not, but I I, really I need to hear that too. Cause sometimes it does feel like, you know, it's such, it can, it's also, you know, it's true. They say it can be lonely at the top. Like when you're at the best on your rise of your career, it's hard to have, you know, true real connections with people I'm really fortunate to have a really strong group of friends that I like have my own personal relationships with I'm very much one-on-one -on -one friendship where I have you know my best friend Sarah will meet me in Greece for four days if I'm in the like already in Europe like this type of friendship that's just like mm -hmm. so strong and you know it's very tricky to navigate sometimes what's real and what's because you're at your certain level of your career and yeah. who's gonna show up for you at three in the morning when you like sewed through your finger now right, right. No, oh. it's true. And and those friendships, those those are the ones that you keep and you nurture um, because there are so many people that want to be friends with Norma Kamali, but do they do they really want to be my friend? And I see her yeah. as a separate entity that totally. people feel they know really well and um have a relationship with but but they're those friends that you know you need and and you do because it is lonely it is there are times where I cried myself to sleep not sure am I going to be in business tomorrow oh my Holy. god what happened and yeah. nobody else is crying with you, right? Nobody else's no. nobody else's blood, sweat, and tears went into all of the stages. And there will be times again when you're going to feel throughout your career and, and however long you want this career to evolve, yeah. there will be those times when you think, oh, my God, what, you know, and, and you just feel I am alone. I'm alone yeah. in this, but you know what? You just get stronger and stronger and you understand the difference between lonely and alone and yeah. and that balance and the people around you 
are the ones to nurture and be grateful for. Uh, I And I am so grateful for the few friends that I've had for a long time. They're the most valuable. Truly. Thank you. That's yeah. a really amazing point. And I feel like a lot of women struggle with this, especially a lot of creative women, because it's really hard to own your space as a woman in this way where it feels selfish that you're taking that time. Almost. Mm-hmm. And people always ask the questions when you're going to have kids. Oh, right. I'm 36. People are like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of the last time. And I'm like, well, you know, you can always adopt. Yeah, I, that was my, that's what I said at 36 too. You know yeah. what? Maybe I, actually I met somebody that I thought, you know what? This guy would be really cool to have kids with. I had that momentary thought, maybe I would do that. And then, um, and then I thought about it and I said, well, you know what? I'm going to hang in. Maybe I'll adopt. And, and then, you know, that, and I believed it. And I I actually thought I could do that. Um, I think it's good to spend time around kids because of the innocence of being around them. And, and um, I spent time, lots of time volunteering in the public schools, teaching fashion and, and teaching sort of training self-esteem and the more of that interaction you have in whatever way you find that I think um, would be helpful too. I, as I was saying, it, I was thinking, oh my God, you could do an amazing children's book too. I mean, you know, I yeah. could see I love, that. Um, making kids clothes as well. My clothes like really ah. as children's clothes. It's really special. Yeah. Uh, I so see that. I definitely see that. It's so playful and happy and cheerful. Um, and so- whenever I see a child at the airport, they're always like, oh I like, can't believe that a woman of my age could dress the way like they right. would pill to dress for like it's really special right. like, hey. you know what hillary uh, the never act your age never act your age when you're young you have to act older i yeah. there's no way i'm acting 78 it's like no way not happening here not at this place so if color makes you happy and put, you just do it. And, yeah. and that just, and, and it really affects people. What do you think the purpose of fashion is? I feel like fashion is our armor, right? It's really how we want to, you know, explain ourselves or show who we are that day. And we can continuously change and always evolve who that person or what our narrative is that week or day or month or event. And I feel like fashion is so important for just like making a statement and just expressing yourself. I think it's so empowering. Like I know I'm like truly in a bad mood if I don't like that outfit that I'm wearing that day. I'll be physically upset if I have to go to an event and I have to wear something for something else for some other mm-hmm. event. And I'm like, I don't feel comfortable in these clothes. It it can change your whole, you know, self-esteem and your how you're feeling and your whole mood. So I feel like it's so important to be confident in your own skin yeah. and your own clothes and it really just makes I don't know it controls everything for me yeah and it also sends so many messages to other people um and and I think somebody like you and me when we were younger I'm sure you felt this too that if you were wearing something 
all of a sudden it would start influencing your friends and other people would start wearing them the same way or doing things. And you realize that there's this power, uh, and I wouldn't use the word power typically, but there's this energy that mm-hmm. can be translated through the physical experience of wearing clothing that makes people happy. Mm-hmm. And your clothes have to make people happy. I mean, if your clothes don't make people happy, then they're just never going to be happy. I mean, they yeah. are so much fun. They're so free and and just they have this beauty that um, really gives the wearer an opportunity to just be part of the experience, right? That I'm sure yeah. you're thinking how you feel. And then how do you feel about do you think as women, and there aren't that many of us in the industry, do you think as women, we have an advantage? That's a hard question because we definitely do in some regards, but we have such a strong disadvantage in other ways. And so like, ta- what what are the advantages and disadvantages? that I you think our think? advantages are we can really read a room and we know what we're walking into and we um we can really understand from the whole scale of what's going on in this situation in a different way in a more empathetic way but I think the disadvantages are so great especially now you know um there's a really high fashion brand that just was the few ones to hire a woman I'm not gonna say but this woman was up for the job for you know through the whole summer and the owner was just like you know I just don't think she's ready yet yeah yeah but if he would never speak about a a designer if he was male even if he was 22 Mm -hmm. oh I just don't think he's ready yet Mm -hmm. this woman was in her I don't know how old she is but she's older than me and she's been around the business for years and years and years and years and years but she's just not ready yet Mm -hmm. and that's kind of I heard that and I was like, wow, it's so real. That's how they all talk about us. Mm. All these like high CEO men who are running these companies and are handling all the money and are making all the big decisions in the world. We're just not ready yet. Mm. But that's why you and I have our own business and we're mm-hmm. here to prove ourselves that we are ready and we are can we are successful and we have new and innovative ideas that most people don't have and we can be unique and we can... Mm hold our own at a table and we can hold our own you know at a show and we can have the best show of the season and you know there's nothing holding us back as a woman but we have the power and we have the inner strength to be able to continue on on our own without anyone else's support and and not have to design by committee that would be that would be like just just like Take me out now. <laughs> Take me out kicking and screaming right oh now. God. Because <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> the um I also think um it feeling feeling the um feeling close on our bodies and being female and having bodies that have a specific kind of energy really is a 
uh, an advantage I feel that women have in understanding when another woman tries this on or someone who has that energy of that kind of body tries this on, they're either going to get excited about it or they're going to feel part of it. Um, They will feel the energy you and I feel when we're thinking about how that will feel on. How will that feel when this drops off your shoulder? How will that feel when it's draped around your waist, what will the, the the pitch of these shoes feel like when you're walking in them? You know, Absolutely. it's one thing, it's one thing to experience it in this sort of very intimate way. And another is to um, imagine it, experience it in some level, imagine it, but to actually live it is with all of our hormonal ups and downs that you know that are part of who we are right um all of that we have that advantage and i don't think it's an accident that our intuition is so strong when it comes yeah. to fashion i mean that's how i feel about our pants like i don't really personally wear skirts or dresses but when i design a pant i'm like what happens when you're menstruating? What happens when you're, you know, feeling a little sad that week or eating too much ice cream? And like, I love making a pant that absorbs all of these different things and you can wear for years because you you can just live in this pant and you mm-hmm. can feel comfortable and sexy and ready for an event all in one. Right. And that's really where I thrive, I think. It's, it's funny because I too love pants. I wear pants all the time. Pants are very strong for us too, obviously. Um, and I never have my legs crossed. They're always open and spread out. And I think, I don't know how to sit like a lady. I'm always, my legs are always like this or they're up in the air. I'm on the floor pinning something or like- Always on the floor. Right, we're always on the floor. Um, and so as you can see, things don't change in in a lot of ways, but- um, but I think that you're right, that knowing that that's what that's what the experience uh, is for a woman and that we are active, we're physical, we're very engaged in what we're doing and comfort and also feeling really good and 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 sort of the experience of it all is so much a part of our experience as as women I think the purpose uh, of clothing is one thing but since we're coming to the end of this I could talk to you forever Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, what is your this is really an important important question and I am prefacing it by saying if you don't 100% have this pulled together right now it's totally normal but this is an important thing for you to visualize and think about for the rest of your life. Um, and so the question seems very simple is like, what is your purpose in life? So yeah, what, what do I you mean, think it is now? I honestly think and I had like a really massive Saturn returns and I really came 
if you saw my Saturn returns kind of close when I was 31 and I had my first right. like successful show right afterwards. And I really was like, my purpose is to be the voice in the industry that oh, my dog is coming to give this oh, big, the big what, reveal. <laughs> oh, what, what kind of a dog is that? Oh my this God. He's a blue Merle Pomeranian. So cute. Oh my God. So my first purpose is to be his mother. Yes. We've been together 12 years. He's 12 oh. years old. Um, but my purpose is to be in an industry and to kind of cause havoc from the inside and really break the molds and to ask for change and empower people through change and really give people the strength to know that there's always a better way to do things or a different way or a way that's more humanitarian or a way that's, you know, I just want to, I want to be the person who's, and it's kind of how I've been, thankfully, in the last couple of years, I've been finally, you know, in fashion, they kind of give you a front door key and then they give you a mail key and then you get to go to the second floor right, and then you're in right. the third floor. I feel like I'm like somewhere in the middle of the building right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, so luckily I've been able to really make very strong statements in the industry and kind of be the voice of change and reason within a a very hard capitalistic society where you know bottom numbers are the biggest thing and I really think my purpose is to be like you small businesses are allowed to be small and successful and you can live off a small business Mm -hmm. for a very long time as Mm -hmm. you know like we don't have to be making 60 million dollars a year to have a good healthy business and I think there's a lot of things that people don't tell you and a lot of you know suits that will get in the way to tell you you're not doing good enough you're not doing this or Mm. but you can make change and impact in a cultural movement without being the highest person on the chart and I think that's my purpose is to show the impact and the change in the movements you can make while still you know having a 1500 square foot of a studio in Chinatown. I absolutely love you. I cannot tell you how much I, I, um, you know, I uh, often said myself, I, I never intend to be the richest or most famous designer in the world. Uh, it's so not my, my goal, but to make some change affect people's lives and have a creative life is just an extraordinary opportunity. Yeah. And I and I am so grateful for my life, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything, because um, what you said is exactly probably the most ideal, the most purposeful, the most meaningful uh, definition of success in business where you're really changing the way people think, affecting people's lives and having a voice of independence as a woman. I mean, come on, girl, let's pat ourselves on the back. And I am yeah. so proud of you. I oh, want you to be my friend and I want to be your friend. <laughs> and I want you let's to not be-, be the last talk we talk. Okay. <laughs> it's so not going to be the last time. I'm really, I've loved meeting you and we will be in touch. Yeah. for sure thank you so thank nice you yeah bye bye <laughs>